You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from Dr. Kyle in Texas. Kyle writes, why did God create people who would reject him and he knew would be condemned? So there are my Reformed friends, and I'll be careful, I'm not all Reformed friends, but my Reformed friends would talk about double predestination. Yep. And then others would say, no, God doesn't double predestine people to hell. The verses that are sort of the sharpening stone for this are Romans chapter 9, verses 22. The context here, again, is so important because Paul is having this interlocutor. He's, he's talking back to a person that has written an objection. It goes back to the Pharaoh story, you know, who hardened Pharaoh's heart. Did God harden Pharaoh's heart or did Pharaoh harden his own heart. And if you say that passage, you'll go mad. And there's arguments to say, well, Pharaoh hardened it first. Mm -hmm. And you go, wait a minute, God told Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. So it's a circuitous argument. But in chapter nine, verse 17, the scripture says, this is Romans nine, so Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Hmm. So, Super briefly, not on point of the conversation, but the point of Pharaoh versus God was who was God? Was Pharaoh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God in the skin of man or was God God? God. And that's the argument that sets up the whole book. Verse 18, so he has mercy on whom he desires. He hardens whom he desires. Paul's saying, if we look at these characters, he's going to use Pharaoh as a tool. The very purpose I raised you up, show my power and my name throughout the earth. Verse 19, you will say to me then, so here's the interlocutor. Oh, wait, I got an objection. Mm-hmm. Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? Mm-hmm. That question takes a number of subsets. One is he's saying, well, if he's going to send him to hell anyway, then how can God send him to hell? Because he didn't have a choice. Right. The other one was, he didn't have a choice. Right. So here's Paul's answer. On the contrary, who are you, O oh man, who answers back to God? The thing molded does not say to the molder, why did you make me this way, will it? Or does the potter not have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one for honorable use and a vessel for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And technically that verse says, prepared beforehand or fitted beforehand for destruction. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand. Even us whom he called, not from among the Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. So there's a lot here, but albeit briefly, if we say that God created men to destroy him, we make him capricious, we make him out malevolent. Mm -hmm. If we say that man has complete free will, then we brush up against the doctrine of election and predestination. Well, I thought, you know, the Bible taught that he elects people and predestines them. Yes, he does. So I've used the arch illustration ad nauseum, but I think the point being that we can't take a sovereign God's view of man and say, why did he send them to hell and why did he send them to heaven? I appeal to passages where God says he wants none to perish, no, not one. The psalmist that says, you know, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. He knows who dies. He's not capricious and malevolent and saying, I sent all those people to hell and I'm choosing these people to heaven. 
remember this, we're all going to hell. We're all going down this stream, headed to hell with no handbrake, with no life preserver, no nothing. Christ comes along and offers salvation, and some respond by faith. Those who responded by faith are the elect. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us how to identify the elect. Right. The Bible says to preach the gospel to all ethnos, make disciples of all ethnos. He wants none to perish. He's slow to anger. So we have this picture of God that we have to keep in tension. We're human, we're finite, we're limited on our capacity. But to attribute or ascribe God to sending a person to hell because he foreordained or predestined him goes against the character of God. So we have to take those passages in a larger picture. And I think even Paul in Romans 9, which seems so clear in one respect, go back to the purpose. I raised him up to demonstrate my power and my name because Pharaoh is saying I'm God. Mm -hmm. The hubris of Pharaoh is juxtaposed against the humility of God. Mm. And so God's going to make an object lesson out of him. Okay, to back up a little from Kyle's question, which was, again, why did God create people who would reject him? and he knew would be condemned. Why did God create people? And maybe that Romans verse is actually another (laughs) answer to that. But I mean, what would you say, what does the Bible tell us about why did God even create mankind? Incredibly important question, very involved question, but we begin in Genesis 1 and make man in our image. Mm -hmm. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So this image bearer was designed to have a relationship with the eternal God. He didn't have to do this. And to reflect the character of God in some way. The Westminster Confession, you know, to glorify God and enjoy him Uh forever was uh the purpose of man. And that's a pretty good answer at the end of the day. But that's the purpose of man, but not necessarily like the purpose behind why God created man. To have fellowship with them because mm-hmm. he wanted to, because mm-hmm. in his image, Imago Deo, you hear people toss it around a lot. I don't think we will ever understand that until we see him. Mm-hmm. Why did he choose to do this? Is he this, you know, megalomaniac God that needs people to worship him? <laughs> no, I mean. Well, then some atheists would <laughs> use that argument yeah. against us, uh, yeah. agnostics. I would say, no, God loved. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to express An that love to his own love. image. Yeah. And he wanted his image bearers to reflect it back. And yes, he wanted us to worship him because he's given us everything. Yeah. So it's a tangled question. It's a big piece of theology, anthropology as to why God made man. I was talking to a friend the other day. We were interestingly talking about beer. And he said, you know that the Egyptians probably made beer. And I said, yeah, I'd read that and heard that. And I said, you know, before Babel, it'd be interesting to know what beer was like. And he said, what's Babel? Hmm. He had no idea about the Tower of Babel or Hmm. the story. And I said, well, in the Old Testament, Tower of Babel was man was going to be like God. And they built a ziggurat to get up to heaven. It's a mockery. It says he looked down like, you know, God, look, there's a little Mm -hmm. tiny anthill. What are they doing down Mm -hmm. there? That's so cute. Mm -hmm. And he goes down to see what they're doing. Mm And what they're doing is trying to make a name for themselves, back yeah. to Pharaoh, yeah. whose name is God. And so he destroys language. Mm-hmm. And the word babble is one of the few Hebrew words that ended up in English. It's a, what we call onomatopoeia. Sounds like it. Yeah. You know, zipper. Yeah. Babble, babble, babble. Right. So the idea of babbling and even this, uh, we have a language program now called Babel, right? Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know that. So you can learn languages. And I said, that's probably when ethnicity began too, when race began. And this person was like, you're from Mars. You know what you're talking about. Point being, it was illustrative of how these people groups formed and began. Why did God confuse their language? 
because mm-hmm. they were trying to be God. Mm-hmm. And he's, no, that's not why I created you. Mm-hmm. I created you a relationship with you, not to be me. Right. And that goes back to the fruit. Why did man eat the fruit? Bruce Walkie, again, this Proverbs kick I'm on, he talked about they probably would have had to keep eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil as well as the other fruit to live forever. Huh. So when they're removed from the garden, that stopped. But the fallen condition, of course, was already set. Interesting observation. I couldn't prove it either way. But, but anyway, yeah. it, it's a great question. Why did he create man? Well, we can ask him that when we cross that threshold. Yeah, but yeah. I, driven by love, I mean, you know, of course, the easy one, John three sixteen. God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. He loves mankind. He cares about us more than we care about ourselves. He has compassion toward the needy, toward, you know, mm-hmm. mercy toward mm-hmm. those who are unjustly treated. And he's a good God. And if we're made in his image, we're going to live forever. Right. That's eternal a souls. compelling thing. Yeah. And if I'm an eternal live forever, I want to be on the right side of the column, so to speak, mm-hmm. that I've trusted Christ and Christ alone. Mm-hmm. So. All right. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us or email us. The info's in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain.